0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 12, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Section 230 is the chunk of federal law credited with creating the Internet. One effort in Congress aims to partially repeal Section 230 in the name of cracking down on material that exploits children. But it won't help that problem, according to Eric Goldman, a professor of law at Santa Clara University School of Law. He says it will, however, severely restrict privacy and the smooth functioning of the Internet. Section two hundred and thirty um, is reputed to be the words that created the internet. And just to refresh the memories of, of listeners, how important is that uh, section in in federal law for allowing uh, robust uh, the the robust nature of the internet?
1: Well, think about the things that we do on a day to day basis, or an hour by hour, even minute by minute basis. Um, we're constantly checking social media. We're constantly making uh, purchases in online marketplaces. We're reading content that's been provided by uh, other peers of ours, consumer reviews or message boards. All of that is um, enabled by Section 230, and that's, I think, what makes it so fundamental. It's literally reaching into our lives on, on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute basis, and in many cases, making our lives better.
0: The EARN-IT Act uh, partially repeals Section 230. Uh, You wrote that at your uh, technology and marketing law blog. Um, What are your biggest concerns with it?
1: The EARN-IT Act tries to set up a set of guidelines that will be manufactured by a government commission that will um uh, uh that will set a baseline of industry behavior and the idea is simple the goal of the uh drafters is to um get uh internet companies to meet this minimum baseline if they want to continue to earn liability uh, protection and stated that way i think a lot of people will be sympathetic to it especially given that the the primary subject material focused on is what used to be called child pornography now called um, uh, Child Sexual Abuse Material or CSAM, we would want to take steps to try and uh, control that. But there's so many different ways in which that law isn't going to accomplish its goals. It's not going to help reduce the incidence of CSAM, in part because internet companies already treat that as the most toxic kind of content. It's the kind of content that they're working so hard to get rid of already. So as a result, um, requiring internet companies to, quote, do more isn't likely to actually curb the instance of CSAM. It's just going to end up curbing other types of content. It's going to act as a form of censorship across a wider range of content. And putting the hands in a a government commission should scare all of us. I call it in my blog post a censorship board. What it's really doing is it's saying standards for censorship in our community— and we know that the government shouldn't be in that role, and in fact, probably, um, as a practical matter, can't have that power constitutionally. So, so sorry, so just to clarify, there's both the, it doesn't accomplish its goals, and it's going to have a ton of collateral damage. Um, that's a bad law.
0: With respect to uh, this group, what are they empowered to do? Uh, what kind of discretion do they have with respect to industry players that aren't behaving the way that uh, this group, this board's membership likes.
1: The the commission is charged with coming up with a set of, quote, best practices. And I put the word best in quotes because it's unlikely that they will in fact be best practices. They'll just be censorious. Uh, I'm sorry, sensorial practices. So, Uh, The board's uh, ability to control um, internet company behavior in the goal of trying to prevent CSAM is unlimited. There's really nothing they can't do. So one of the fears is that they would um, ban the use of end-to-end encryption, that they would take the position that if you're using end-to-end encryption, that's being used by the uh, uh, child pornographers, and therefore its usage is uh, inconsistent with liability reduction. But they could also do other things. They could say, in order for you to be immunized from liability for CSAM, you must authenticate all of your users. You have to collect all of their information and have it available for the government or or plaintiffs to be able to report on um, uh, or to identify who did it so that you could um, uh, sue them or bring justice against them. That information is now going to be available to whoever wants it and can get it legally, which becomes a much larger community than
0: just saying, we're going to have the names of the people engaged in CSAM and we're going to be able to get them. And for businesses for whom end-to-end encryption or uh, not being uh, completely aware of the identities of, of some of their customers, uh, for some businesses, that, that could be crushing. That could be their end.
1: Well, yes, and actually I would phrase it a little differently. I'm I'm interested in the business perspective. I'm really thinking about what are those things that require end-to-end encryption? What are the reasons why people are using them and what's gonna then be lost if that um, uh, technology isn't available? Think about things like uh, confidential conversations between uh, activists. Uh, those now become potentially scrutinizable by the government and potentially weaponized against the activists. That kind of stuff is is so critical to how we think about our human interactions, and that's all put into play by something as simple as the, quote, Earn It Act.
0: This seems to be significantly more than uh, the camel's nose under the tent of getting rid of or weakening Section 230, this seems to be pretty much a a wholesale attack. Is that right?
1: Yeah, or you could call it a Trojan horse. It says, look, all we're doing is thinking about CSAM, and aren't we all opposed to CSAM? And the answer is, yeah, we are. It says all we're going to do is target that. But then once this board is set up, once it's given the power to engage in sensorial decisions, it's going to do that. And there's no limit to what it can do. So as a result, we can only expect that it's going to cover a wide range of things that we don't think are a problem, but that sensors do
0: what is the uh what are the constitutional concerns with this
1: well there are a bunch of them um the i think structural concern is that i'm not sure that the government can condition liability reduction a government benefit on things that it couldn't ban directly if the if the requirements are considered to be sensorial in nature then conditioning a liability reduction on engaging those sensorial activities um, should be unconstitutional. We have a couple of Supreme Court cases that talk about that in the trademark registration context. In order to get the trademark registration, you had to jump through some sensorial standards. And I think that this is basically the same question, and I don't don't know how the law uh, would be able to handle that. There are some other constitutional concerns, but that I think really gets to the heart of the uh, structure.
0: This is nominally about uh, the abuse of children and and depictions of uh, children being abused and child pornography and that sort of thing. What are the effective ways of dealing with that?
1: I think that's a really critical question because I think everyone's going to agree we need to do more to prevent the uh, development and distribution of, of CSAM. We need to do more to protect kids from being sexually abused or engaging in other forms of abuse. This law isn't going to solve the problem because it's going to be tackling the wrong uh, parties. The real parties are, are we actually um, uh, pursuing the people who actually abuse kids with the vigor that we need to? And right now, we have a reporting structure where uh, internet companies are required to notify an organization called NCMEC, uh whenever they run across uh, any uh, CSAM. And then NickMic can farm those out to a bunch of law enforcement agencies uh, to go and prosecute the purveyors of this harmful material, and many of those those reports are just sitting there untouched. There's not enough staff in order to be able to bring enforcement actions against the people that are already being reported upon, and so it seems to me that that's really a place that we ought to be investing first.
0: To what extent is uh, our proposals like this sort of playing to the desires of some uh, internet users, even big internet users like Prager University and others to uh, begin regulating more directly internet activity?
1: I think that there's an interesting coalition of people who might come and support the EARNIT Act. There's certainly the advocates for um, victims of uh, of CSAM and other types of uh, of sexual abuse who are interested in this law. But they're in some sense really not driving the conversation. They're just the identified community that that is standing in front of the law, well, a bunch of other sales pitches are being made. So there's also a sales pitch being made about this law about how it could be used to uh, reduce encryption. And so some of the law enforcement hawks view that as a win. This law is a way of getting what they can't get directly. And then there's also the overall notion of tech lash, the idea that um, internet companies have too much power. This will be a way of of teaching them, of fixing their wagon. Um, And so the law is trying to assemble... This coalition of the the you know child uh, sexual abuse uh, uh, advocacy community and the uh, law enforcement hawks and the uh, people who want to um, uh, take some power back from the internet companies and saying we got something for all of you and. So I don't think that the PragerU decision or the PragerU lawsuit per se is an issue here. But I do think that it
0: actually is part of the reason why some people are going to gravitate towards the law. Eric Goldman is a professor of law at Santa Clara University School of Law. We spoke earlier this week. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.